Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, it's really foggy today. Like the first day of autumn is like showing itself to us. It's like that opening scene in Les Miserables where they've put the smoke machine on for too long and um, vagrants, otherwise known as musical theatre actors, run to the front of the stage wearing blankets that people in East London probably paid quite a lot of money for now, actually. Uh, and they start singing, And the winter is coming on fast, ready to kill. It's kind of where my mood's at today. There you go, that's your inspirational star. <laughs> I'll play the theme tune. After the tone, after the tone, leave your message after the tone. Yay! Lovely round of applause. Everybody clap at home if you're listening. If you're on the tube, I don't care. Do a clappy clap clap. Lovely, thank you very much. Lovely, lovely to see you. My name is Scotty. I shall be your host for this evening, this morning, this afternoon, this bath, this long shit that you're currently having. You know, we listen to podcasts in all manner of places. Um, Welcome to After the Tone. Uh, We've been doing this now for a month. A month! Where does time go? (laughs) Well, I mean, what a question to be asking in these times, Scotty. Because time just fucking lingers, doesn't it? I've started to keep, you know, like when you do like a to-do list or whatever. Well, I've got one on my computer and usually I'd sort of delete it. And now I'm just sort of keeping hold of it just as a log that I have actually done shit in the last six months. And I haven't just sat at home binge watching Shit's Creek. Hi, how are you doing? Hope you're well. Lovely. There are lots of messages that I'm currently getting about that theme tune. Because, boy, does it linger. <laughs> It's like melodic tinnitus, isn't it? It just says, turn after the turn. That just goes over and over in my head, which is a sign of where my mental health is at. Um, We, this week, 
became an iTunes featured podcast. Yes, round of applause, which saw us next to Sophie Ellis Bexter from Dancing on a Murderous Dance Floor and um, The Archers which for anybody who's under the age of 62 is a bit like EastEnders, but on the radio, set on a farm, actually. I think that's probably the best review of The Arches that's ever happened. Which is lovely, because it means like there was probably like new people. And I, I spotted some reviews on the iTunes. Of course, we are on all other platforms. Other platforms are all available. And so I thought I might go through the reviews with you uh, and just give you my review of the reviews. There's one here from Ruth Catherine Jones that says a great mix of irreverent and kind. And it goes on. Irreverent? Irreverent? Hmm. Um, Sweet Child O' Mine. (laughs) Imagine that being your username. I follow Scotty on other social media channels and this podcast is just like his Instagram stories. Loving the random chats. So we're irreverent random chats is what you kind of think is. I mean, both of you have given five stars granted, which I will take lovingly, but irreverent. This is my favourite one. Bethany Mouse, you're definitely winning. There's a prize for the best review. I mean, there's not. We'll go, yeah, let's pretend there's a prize. Bethany Mouse wins the prize this week. Because Bethany Mouse says, she's an icon, she's a legend, she is the moment. And one out of one listeners found this review helpful. (laughs) So, please do like, subscribe, follow, live, laugh, love, die, shit, cry on whatever platform that you listen to us on. And tell your friends, come on, the more the merrier, be a bit of a laugh. If you're new here, hello, lovely to see you. How this works is people pick up the WhatsApp, send us a voice note. Producer Debbie sends them to me. I listen to them for the first time when I'm recording this in my bed and we make the whole thing off my mobile phone. Yeah, that simple. So without further ado, let's have it. I don't know why I said that. Oh, hi, Scotty. It's Stephen calling from Montreal. Just a little ways across the puddle from where you are and uh, actually thinking that you might have some advice for me. So my BFF hooked up with this woman three years ago with this really dynamic, uh, you know, fun person. We've had lots of good times together, but over the three years, her partner's become madly jealous of me and my BFF and, and has really had it out for me. And, and, and now I'm finding it really hard to be around her and thinking, I don't know what to do. Do I, I don't, want to get in the way of my BFF and her lifetime partner, it seems. So I've just kind of withdrawn. And I, I just wonder if you've ever experienced anything like this. And uh, actually, it's kind of a bit bizarre that I'm asking you. You seem totally off your rocker. But maybe that's the best kind of person to ask for advice from, uh, or if you've ever experienced anything like that. Oh, God, now maybe I'm going to have to go into uh, witness protection program now that I've left this message for you. I'm slightly speechless, Stephen. Off my rocker. This, my friend, is a person with a personality, okay? And yes, maybe I'm a little bit violent and aggressive. (laughs) Which might explain a little bit about my next approach to the partner of your BFF. Let's call her Nobed for shorthand. 
So Nobed McGee has come along to your established friendship circle and has ruined your world, essentially, and is just being a bit of a, a Nobed. I think the best way to deal with a Nobed, Stephen, is just by telling them. You just got to go, what's going on here? You're being a bit jealous, are you? Oh, no, let's try non-violent communication. Are you being jealous? <laughs> that, have I done non-violent communication? No, no, non-violent communication, part three. I feel like, see, I'm quite good at this. You are a bit jealous, you bitch. <laughs> What's the fucking wrong with you? Um, but in all seriousness, Stephen, I think you just got to grab the ball by the horns and say... I sense there's something between us. You could maybe go for a coffee. I would definitely do this in a space that isn't either yours or theirs. You know, neutral territory. Approach it like a UN peace treaty. The difficulty here, though, not to typecast you, I think you said you were from Montreal, is Canadian people are just really nice, aren't they? I was in the Canadia in February. Granted, I was in Toronto, uh, which is slightly different, so I'm told. But something I, I learned whilst there is that you can ask for anything in Canada and people would largely give it to you because they're just nice. Everyone's just too nice that they don't want to be horrible. So here's your get out of free jail card to say, I called up a podcast, Nobed McGee, they told me you should, and I should definitely have a conversation. I mean, if you want real advice, definitely listen to Dan Savage on the Savage Love Cast, because I'm sure, actually, Dan's probably got some more useful tips. Hi, Scotty. Um, just leaving you this voice note. Voice note. I'm under a tunnel. Whoa. Whilst I'm running. Because I'm a fucking cunt. But I just, I was listening to your podcast whilst I was running because um, I really don't like running and listening to music kind of depresses me because I think I'm going to have to stop. Hang on. Yeah, so I listen to podcasts instead of music because you're kind of running and you think you've gone really far and then the song ends and you realise you've only run for three minutes and ten seconds. Uh, So it's quite depressing. And I was listening to your podcast whilst running um, and it prompted me to leave this message just to say that fuck running like it's just not fun and also I run on a lot of towpaths near the canals and the men especially those who run in pairs talking loudly about their fucking jobs and insurance whatever like they see you coming and there's there's no space for you both so Instead of them going one behind each other, they just run at you. And it's every woman for themselves, really. Dive in the canal for all they care. So maybe this will be my last ever run. I don't know. And a quick one. All my family are from Cornwall. And uh, went to Rick Stein's fish and chip shop when I was like 10 with my nan and granddad. And I still remember one of the chips was so... You know when you get like one that's quite thin... And uh, 
fucking hell, I'm unfit. Uh, you know, you get one that's quite thin. It's like the edge of the potato. Basically, it was really sharp and it cut the roof of my mouth. And that's all I ever think about when I think about Rick Stein now. And it's been 19 years and I'm still not over it. All right. Love you, babes. Bye. Well, thank you very much, Caller, for that phone call. Very breathless, but, I, I, you know, I like a breathy phone call. Do you remember back in the old days when there was, like, BT phone boxes? And um, sometimes you used to get what my mum used to call a bit of a pervy phone call. Someone just calling up going, <sighs> God, we're living simpler times, aren't we? When you were first running... <laughs> This shows where my mind is at with running. I was like, what are you running away from? Why are you calling me in this moment? <laughs> and then when you were through a tunnel, I was like, are they running for a train? And then realised you were just doing it as a recreational sport. Now, I can very much sympathise, empathise and understand all at the same time. Who knew I'm multi-talented, triple threat. This sense of male spreading, because I'm a cyclist, right? So... I usually get on my bicycletta and I'm wearing like a big flowy white monkey shirt or, you know, a pair of sweatpants up to my tits. Because, you know, I just want to look like that sort of American mum dashing to the shops all the time. And something that dads in Lycra do is not only do they want to like ride two abreast, in the cycle lane, which, as we know, in the UK, are fit for just one person. And if someone wants to pass you, then you're going to get a a big breeze because they're very narrow. It's not like Amsterdam, where basically, if you're a pedestrian, fend for your own life. And they just, like, won't let you pass. (laughs) Or they're behind you ringing their bell to pass. Something that I've learned, and I've learned this because I think there was, like, This feminist movement, probably about four or five years ago in America, straight walking, where women and femmes were like just walking straight without navigating around men because men are so used to being navigated around that I've taken that into the cycle lane where I just hold my ground. I'm like, there's no rush. If you're in any rush, you should have got a train. (laughs) So, caller... Try and hold your ground. I know it's really hard, particularly if you're on your own and you're vulnerable. And it's always city workers, isn't it? It's always people that work in corporate industry that are, like, taking up this space because they're just so used to doing it because they think they've bought it. Also, Rick Stein's Fish and Chips, where there is blame, there is a claim, all right? It might have been 19 years ago, but if you can affect a slight speech impediment, then I'm more than happy to help you through that process. Hello, Scotty love. That JRF here. Hiya, love. First time uh, caller, long time listener. Just finished listening to the three shows. Very good. Any road, uh, what was I going to say? So, two for the price of one here. Crap celebrity stories and a vomit story. <laughs> right. So, many years ago, I lived in that there Chester and I worked at the B&Q warehouse as my weekend job as a student and uh, served Sonia never stop me from loving you lovely stonewash denim I just remember that and a lovely demi wave and any road I worked at the B&Q warehouse 
she bought a reduced price paper lantern, Chinese lantern, and I was very starstruck. Then another time, saw it in the Tesco's, buying lots of Tesco value toilet roll. And I thought then, poor Sonia, she's fallen on hard times. Bless me. And then the last story is one of the premier night spots in Chester was a, a nightclub called Brannigan's. I was at the discotheque having a lovely time with some friends, having a few lager shandies, and any road it was coming up to closing time, and I'd spotted Sonia. Her hair was up in a scrunchie. Again, I thought, a bit common. Any road, she went out with a friend who was looking a bit worse for wear, and uh, at the taxi rank, there was Sonia holding back her pal's hair while she was vomiting into a drain. I thought, do you know what? The lifestyle of the rich and famous fall on hard times. Anyway, yeah, vomit and a crap celebrity story. So anyway, love and light. God bless. Have a lovely time. Love the show. Keep doing it. Okay, love you. Uh, (laughs) Bye-bye. Lovely JRF there calling from Edinburgh. As I know, JRF from the internet webs. And, uh, well, I've, I've got my very own Sonia story to share with you, if you like. So my friends threw my Hindu in Blackpool. Typecast again, can I say? If you know Blackpool and you know me, you'll know these two things work together. For people who don't know what Blackpool is, imagine Vegas, but common and less good. And with less Elvis. And less flashing lights. Actually, it's it's not quite like Vegas at all. <laughs> anyway. My <laughs> friends decide that to humiliate me, of course, because I've done drag, I wear costumes all the time. Like, if you put me in fancy dress, I'm going to adore it. So my friends decided that they would put me in light wash denim and a no fear t-shirt with a navy blue fleece. Well, it was quite horrific. Anyway, we end up going to this gay bar. Some of us might have had poppers. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, they were like dragging us in, giving us free shots, because there was about four people in the bar, bless them. And they said the entertainment was coming on the stage imminently. Well, that entertainment that night was Sonia. So I was like, oh my God, fab, gorgy. This is going to be a lol. Anyway, she stood up on the stage and we were still all taller than her. So sight lines weren't very good. Anyway, it wasn't Sonia singing the songs of Sonia because, I mean, there's about two in there. Actually, I think there's probably one and you've already sung it. So it's Sonia does Grease. She she came on stage whilst some of us might have been puppered out of our nuts singing the songs from Grease. I'm giving you that pause so you can also be astounded as well. Thanks so much for calling. Hello, Scotty. This is Toby. You asked about people that have been in the audience on shows. I was in the audience on uh, Patricia Goddard's show when it was on ITV back in the early 2000s. And um, it was a very odd experience because I still remember the theme tune that was... Anyway, I uh, actually got to say something. Trisha was asking people in the audience what they thought and I uh, put my hand up and she came over to me and I said so 
something, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to be on the TV, I'm going to be on the TV. Anyway, the episode rolls around on TV maybe a couple of months later, and I've been edited out by Trisha Goddard. Fucking bitch. Well, Toby, thank you so much, long-term listener and long-term caller. Really appreciate you calling in. Um, Now, in Trisha's defence, I don't think it's Trisha's fault. I don't think, like, because the show's called Trisha, it's presented by Trisha. Uh, I think she was probably one of the executive producers. I don't think she's also the editor or director. I mean, I'm going to put my neck on the line there and say, I don't think Trisha Goddard did the edit. Um, But that theme tune... It was great, wasn't it? Thank you for bringing back such memories. I bet she's an absolute hoot. I bet if you go out for a night out with Trisha, she's the last one standing. She had, because I got got quite inquisitive about Trisha, I think probably last year, and I got lost in an Instagram trap of seeing that she'd moved to America and she presents, like, the Trisha show, but in America now. I think it's in somewhere like Wisconsin. And uh, she's looking well. I think she's had a couple of bouts of cancer. Actually, let's look this up. Poor Trisha. I'm like my mum. Like, you mention anyone, my mum's like, she's dead. She had cancer. Trisha Goddard. Well, she's 62. And her name's Patricia Gloria Goddard. She's got three younger sisters. One of them had schizophrenia, bless her. Oh, look at that. She's been married and divorced three times. Unlucky in love, Trish. She was married to an Australian politician. Who she met while she was an air stewardess. I mean, she's done it all, isn't she, Trisha? Anything else about her? Yeah, look, here we go. Didn't make it up. Trisha Goddard is the breast cancer survivor, having been diagnosed in 2008, and she now lives in Connecticut. So it's not Wisconsin. It's another one that sounds a bit funny. Lovely, Trisha. I'm actually going to say, Toby, I think you need to reevaluate your feelings towards Trish. Because think about all that joy that she brought us with that telly programme. Okay? I think you should go on the Instagram and follow Trisha as repentance. What a lovely bunch of people that we're having today. We're steaming through these calls. Absolutely gorgeous. And they're coming in from here, there and everywhere. We've had Canada, Scotland and England. Essentially, doing the Lord's work, bringing peoples together. I'm like Katy Perry with a nut allergy. (laughs) You know, feel free to call in if you've ever felt like a plastic bag. I mean, that's one of my favourite lyrics of all time. This show doesn't exist if you don't pick up the blower, open up the WhatsApp and send a voice note. Um, It's very painless, very easy. Next week, I'm quite interested to hear about people who've been caught... It's probably because I've been watching far too much true crime. I'm not asking you to call up if you've been caught, like, killing someone. Although, I mean, that would be a first for a podcast, I'm sure. But have you ever been caught lying? Have you ever had to do, like, jewellery service? Like, court appearance? Have you ever been caught in the act? Solo, duo, or otherwise, you know? Have you ever been caught short? So, you know, like, pissing or 
shitting yourself. I'd love to hear your call. So open up the WhatsApp, send a voice note to this number. Zero seven double eight two hundred three four two zero. And that's all you have to do. It's very simple, very harmless, very easy. Let's get on with the show. Hi, Scotty. I assume that on this podcast you have sort of a, a section where you help people with their problems. I haven't listened, so and I have no intention uh, of ever listening, but I just assume that's what the show is about. And um, so I have a question and I need your help. Uh, and it's a question regarding body positivity. Because I know that you are like one of the big body positivity influencers and that you sort of hold a leadership position within the movement. So here's my question about body positivity. Am I allowed to lose weight if I only lose weight? Not because I think there's anything wrong with being fat, but can I lose weight if it's just because I want to be taken seriously as a fat activist? That's my question. Am I allowed to? Is that okay? Am I problematic? Okay, right. Well, let's break this down, please. Another phone call there from Sophie Hagen. <laughs> I'm being trolled by a professional comedian. <laughs> this is what my life has come to. Okay, Sophie, as you have well documented there, I love nothing more than being body positive. Because there is nothing more revolutionary than someone grabbing an inch of fat under their boob and saying, look, I'm just like you, plebs. I think my favourite piece of body positivity advice that I can give you, I'll just say it. I saw it in a mum's kitchen and I thought if there was ever a proverb that body positivity could live by, it's this. Live, laugh, love, dance like nobody's watching. So I think your answer's in there somehow, okay? Um, <laughs> but, but on the true spect, my God, I just, like, abbreviated spectrum. Ugh, I'm the most hideous person in the world. And also the most genius. This is something that I've been talking about, right? Because I'm, I'm quite into the fitness, Really quite enjoying it. And I've been talking about this with my therapist. Oh, yeah. I access mental health services because I'm actually verified a mental. You can be a smaller fat. You can be a bigger fat. You can be whatever version of fat you want to be or that you need to be. But I guess my question back to you would be, who are you trying to be serious for? In whose eyes are you trying to look committed because, truth speak, as a fellow fatty, as a fellow fat friend, as a fellow forward-facing person, I have so much respect and love and adoration for your fatness and the space that you take up in a very literal sense with your fatness and a political sense. That if you thought losing weight for some form of, um, not credibility, but legitimacy, I'd say it was for the wrong reason. Because you are legitimate. Fact is legitimate. There you go. Didn't know we were going to get so serious so soon. 
Uh, hi, Scotty. It's Arthur Smith here. Funny enough, I just heard someone say, come here, Scotty. And I think it was a dog, though. It may have been you. Anyway, I want to tell you about the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me was once when I was at school, by mistake, I called the headmistress Mummy. Oh, and it was doubly embarrassing because I was teaching at the school at the time. The second part of that story is not true, but the first part is, oh, I was embarrassed because of that mummy. Anyway, I'm wondering, what's the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you, Scotty? Come on, can't wait to hear it. Another international comedian, Golgi, human being that is Arthur Smith, who is a bit like my Radio 4 grandparent. And I'm sure we wouldn't mind saying that whenever Arthur is in the house, if I'm down at that BBC place, always a giggle, always a laugh, and a voice that you'd die for, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You can tell why he's on the radio. And then next to me, I mean, come on. It's only a matter of time before they wake up and they think, well, you don't sound that great on the radio. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, Arthur. Um, when was the last time I was embarrassed? Oh, my God. Well, it takes a lot for me to be mortified, to be fair. Well, <laughs> I tell this story and I now I find it quite funny. At the time, I think I was absolutely like, oh, I just want the world to eat me up. And it's quite a common experience for fat people, this story. <laughs> but... I was travelling London to Edinburgh on a plane, and these planes are really small, but they're like new, and there's something to do with these planes where if there's too much weight at the end of the plane, it won't take off. I mean, you would have thought they'd worked this out by now. How many years people been flying in the sky? Anyway, the, <laughs> the air stewardess walks down the plane, and instead of asking people to move their bags and stuff, she just points at me and she goes... Can you move to the front? <laughs> so they moved me to the front and then the plane was able to take off. Oh, oh, well, at the time, I just wanted the world to eat me up and swallow me whole. I've got lots of embarrassing moments on planes that I look back at now and I can laugh at. But at the moment, I'm just like, oh, my God, the worst handle. Like, I think I was travelling Ryanair once and then... I said to the person, can I have a seatbelt extender? And they said to me, no, go on, try. Just try and get yourself into that. Well, I was sweating. She held up everybody coming on the queue so I could try and pease myself into this. So anyway, I get myself into it. It's fine. It's more about my fat paranoia, about the seatbelt not fitting me. And then she goes, see, I told you. Oh, well, I mean, also embarrassment is a complex emotion as well, isn't it? Because in my current show, Class, I read out a whole list of things that happened to me as a result of poverty and things that happened to me and other people around me. And I get mortified reading out that list because there are still some things that I attach shame to. So, yeah, embarrassment can be, in retrospect, hilarious, but still in retrospect, some of that stuff still hurts. Thanks for calling, Arthur. Hi, Scotty. I hope you enjoyed your Reginald Perrin swim. Um, I just want to say big up to the podcast. And yeah, man, it really is showing the socialists from the fucking capitalists among us all, isn't it? With the holiday vibe. I've been like, if you're going away, just hide that shit, girl. Don't be showing those my fucking pictures of you sitting around on a beach. 
you know what I mean? I've maybe been reading a lot of Marxism myself lately, darling, and educating that working class brain. And yeah, you can't help but look at stuff now through that lens and just go, that's so fucking bourgeois. And if it's eat out to help out, it's like fucking hell, mate. Do you know what I mean? Just have a holiday in your own country, you can't. Invite the fucking constitution and put your fucking pennies in some other people's mouths here in the country. Anyway, girl, do you know what I mean? It's all new thought, it's all new capitalism, it's all new drama. Yeah, one day we may be able to say, I have no idea, and it's completely okay. Turn around and go, okay, that's fine. I've got no fucking idea either. Gorgeous call there. I can identify from the voice is from a regular caller called The Carer, which I think listeners of the podcast will know. And so uh, holidays, yeah, it's been really interesting seeing people, particularly like friends who have hidden their profiles whilst they're on holiday and stuff. I mean, if you're going to do it, just fucking do it and, you know, live with people having a comment on it. I've given up thinking that I need to comment about stuff. You know, I'm not a grass. I'm not going to like, excuse me, Mr Tory police. My neighbour has got seven people over. Like, that's not my shtick. Like, I deal in the world with this pandemic in a way that I try to, like, be responsible for me and mine, not you and yours. Lovely little thing there about Karl Marx. I've recently tried to start to read the Communist Manifesto. It's very tricky because it's really dense language and I'm dyslexic. But something I learned about Karl Marx is that he lived in some houses on Queen's Crescent for the majority of his life in Northwest London. Guess who else is from Queen's Crescent? From the estate in which his house was built on and then got knocked down and then turned into shoddy council housing. Me, me and Karl Marx both. There's a common Murphy ley line underneath Queen's President in North West London, I'll tell ya. Scotty, this is Solange ringing you all the way from Chile in South America. Um, I wanted to say congratulations for your show. You really actually made my night. I was uh, feeling a little bit low, thinking that the world has become very, very dyslexic and... Um, which is forcing all of us to find new ways to be creative. So, yeah, I wanted to say thanks. Thanks for uh, being so honest and for being so you. That was very uh, refreshing. Big hugs and uh, can't wait for the next podcast. Bye. Solange, hello from Chile. Do you know what? I am very 1985 that... Every time someone from a place that I've never been to far away gets in touch, I'm like, oh my God, it's like Concord. I can just get really excited. Um, so isn't it lovely to have a call from Chile? Anyway, put me excitement away. I love that turn of phrase, the world's gone very dyslexic. As a dyslexic, yeah, the world is having to think in a different way and see it in a different way. And you're right, we are having to be creative about how we navigate friendships, relationships, the world, each other, the political system. I mean, the whole fucking thing. I quite like to call because it was just really to call up and be like, 
I like the podcast. Yeah, and well done on being you. And I'm more than happy to take it, Solange. Thanks for calling. And, uh, you know, if you are, listener, calling from anywhere else in the world, feel free to call in because it does make me excited. And then I can go to my mum's on a Saturday for my breakfast and feel like a legitimate person that's actually doing something with their life. <laughs> this week I'll be like, Mum, do you know, um, I know someone who lives in Chile. <laughs> Hi, Scotty. So I'm sitting here today. I'm upstate New York, and it's a sunny but chilly September, Saturday afternoon. And I'm sitting in a state of many feelings, um, in a deep state of grief, having lost uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and terrified at the prospect of what that means in terms of the reappointment of a Supreme Court justice and the likelihood that Trump and McConnell will try to get in another appointment before the election. So I guess I'm also feeling rage at that and a sense of kind of inspired determination to get this man out of office. But all of those are not particularly constructive emotions. Um, They seem to be competing emotions. Grief makes you want to lie down and rage makes you want to just lie down sometimes or kick your feet or crawl under the bed and scream into a pillow determination well that makes me want to get up and do things and i have a list of things that i am doing and the most exciting and most wonderful thing i'm doing is peggy and i have been hosting some postcard writing parties for uh, getting out the vote. And it's with this organization called Reclaim Our Vote. And it's not necessarily a partisan initiative. It's an initiative to make sure people who have either been disenfranchised, not interested, maybe even purged from the voting register, to let them know that they have opportunity to get themselves back on the register and that they need to get out and vote because our lives depend on this. And we've been sending out postcards to people in Texas. As of last night, we started sending out postcards to people in North Carolina. And these particular lists are people in North Carolina who are on an inactive voter list. So we're writing to them to say, hey, look, did you realize you're on this inactive voter list? And Do you want to check and make sure you're still registered and this is how you do it and this is where you do it? So it it feels a really proactive and concrete kind of thing to be doing. But the, the side effect of actually managing to do that task is that we're doing it collectively. They're all coming together every Friday at mine and Peggy's house upstate New York. And we're putting all of our tables that we've collected over the years out into the yard and neighbors and friends and friends of friends show up and we sit for two hours and talk and commiserate and rant and write these postcards and it's been really fun and it's been a great way to build community we've never actually engaged with our neighbors in this kind of political action and community building project and One of the ways we're doing that, besides just gathering and doing this task together, is that we end up having a dinner together, a feast, really, and probably a a campfire. And it feels like it's a moment of coming together that just takes away the fear and the dread and the anxiety 
that we've all been experiencing, whether we live here in the United States or whether you live in the UK with the dysfunctional government that seems to be just falling down around us and living with the anxiety of COVID. And I just wanted to share that bit of hope, I suppose. And well, basically over the last 24 hours since we heard the news about RBG, people have been talking about hope. And um, someone reminded me of a line at the end of Angels in America where he says, we have to live past hope. And I was also watching La Mama Has a Variety Night once a month, and they had some members of the Belarus Free Theater on. And one of the women who's been on the street pretty much every day since all of the uprisings started there um, said that they are now past hope and they are living in the belief that things are going to change. So I'm trying to live in that belief in this crazy mixed up emotional moment. And I'm living past hope and into belief by gathering community around me and investing in community and community action and doing everything I can to bring about some decency and some change and some integrity that might just have a glimmer of hope of preserving this democracy. Oh, what a beautiful call they are. And I know who this caller is. This caller is Lois Weaver, or as I'm allowed to call her, as I've been given the honour of being able to call her, is Auntie Lo. And Auntie Lo is an elder, is one of my elders, is somebody I look up to and have masses of respect for, active respect, as an artist, but as a community maker and a community builder. And as you can hear there, that's a glimmer into the work that Lois and uh, Peggy do. And these kind of revolutionary lesbians, dykes, butches, femmes, soft femmes, that they have given me access to, that they are... The the future is built on lesbianism, (laughs) is, is the shorthand of what I'm saying. The full truth... And this will show my ignorance and I'm okay in showing that because I think this shows how sometimes impenetrable not only our own political systems are, but then trying to comprehend those that are existing in other spaces like the US. I didn't really understand the gravitas of this person passing. If a judge was to die in the UK, it would be in the obituary part of the papers, but it's not like what has I've been seeing outrolling from my progressive and very left-leaning friends in the States. And so it's hard to understand it. And so over the last few days, I've been trying to like grasp why this passing is such a massive passing. And seeing some of my queer Jewish New York pals talk about it, I can slightly understand it a bit better. That this is a person that was actually a libertarian, somebody who fought very actively and used the language and the sight of the court and the law to bring progression, to bring equality, to bring human rights, to see women at the table. And so I I slightly understand that better now. There was a conversation that I had with my mum on Saturday and my mum was like, trying to understand and comprehend the fear, I guess, is something. I understand grief, but the fear, I think, is also another thing. Because me and my mum were going, how can Trump 
politically appoint somebody. And so trying to understand that is my next phase. But this is the beauty, right, of us all pushing, is that we push enough that, like you say, we get beyond that space of hope and into a a space of belief and believing. I just wanted to interrogate your thoughts about rage, though, and rage making you want to lie down or being in, in opposition to grief. Rage, for me, is always the petrol, the motivator to want to make myself vulnerable that takes myself out of grief, be it for myself or others. So the audacity of me in my mid-30s to tell somebody who knows way more about work and making and navigating an activism than I do would be to sit in the rage for just a little longer. I wonder if with Ruth's paths in, and I wonder if this is a more broader thing, that we only really understand the life of someone when they're dead. That sounds too poetic for me to have made that up in my head, so I'm sure it's someone like Foucault or someone probably said it before. But I wonder if it takes death for us to understand the legacy that then ignites the grief and the rage that gets us beyond hope and into believing. Well, what a lovely show that was, actually. I feel like I've had a warm cuddle, and if I look outside, the sun has come out and the fog has cleared. So if that is not a sign from gay Jesus, I don't know what is, because gay Jesus does control the weather, as we know. It's very strongly reported... Wasn't it like someone from UKIP said the reason why we've had bad weather is because gays got civil partnership? Well, hello, the sun is in the sky. Thank you so much for everyone who's called from across the world this episode. I, honestly, I can't get over that. And I'm also, I'm so loved up from the fact we are a five-star podcast. We're being featured. People are listening. People are sharing. Please do share with me your thoughts and experiences of the podcast. Let us know what you're thinking and feeling. I'm on Scotty is Fat on all social media platforms, all of them, even MySpace. No, I'm not on MySpace as if. Um, It's always lovely to hear from you. And I know some people don't want to phone up and call in. So even just that little chat with you is lovely. But... You know, we do need your voice notes for this to be able to work. So if you could lend us two minutes of your time, send us a message starting with Hi Scotty to this number. 0788-200-3420. And that's it. Next week, I will be back on my bed, surrounded by cushions, listening to your calls. Thank you so much. All this has put me in a lovely mood. Have a good one. Until next time, look after yourself. After the Tone is presented by me, Scotty, produced by Debbie Kilbride, with voice notes from weirdos across the world. Shoutouts to JJ Cranston, Louise Mothersoul, and Podcast.co. After the Tone is a Debbie Productions production. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.